Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Twice a month, we'll meet an amazing executive who'll share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. Survival is essential. Success is great. But what does it mean to thrive? We've compiled the most popular and compelling advice from our guests and created a Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills such as clarifying your vision and growing your influence. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. To find out more about our show and our guests, I invite you to follow me on Instagram. All these links will be in the show notes. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Kelly Yee about career planning. How do you plan your career while still enabling flexibility and opportunity? Kelly Yee is the head of research at Coindesk Indices, a market leader in digital asset indexing. She leads the research team in designing crypto and other digital asset indices. She and her team are also responsible for the development of the Coindesk Digital Asset Classification Standard, DACS, the first industry standard for classifying digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. Before joining Coindesk, Kelly was the Director of Research at Index IQ, the ETF platform for New York Life Investments. Kelly holds her CFA and received a master's degree in operations research and financial engineering from MIT and a BS in applied math from Peking University. Kelly is married with two daughters, eight and 11 years old. Her favorite hobby is listening to podcasts while hiking and shopping vintage designer clothes on eBay. So pleased to welcome Kelly Yee to the We Talk Careers podcast. Nice to have you on the show, Kelly. Thank you, Christine. It's my honor. I'm a big fan of your show. Oh, thank you. It's great to have you. So as our loyal listeners know by now, we usually jump right into a story. But I've been thinking after our episode number nine with Kathleen Moriarty on imposter syndrome, we had so many questions and comments pertaining to cryptocurrencies as she is a a lawyer in that area. So Kelly, can you give us a high level description of what you mean by digital assets and where you think the market can take advantage? Yeah, sure. So digital asset, you can interpret it in many different ways. So for me, there are critical, there are three critical things. One is it is a technology that offers computerized trust without intermediaries. Second is it is a business model that allows creators to be the owner of their creation. And third, it's a network that connects people and businesses together in a frictionless way. Excellent. Thank you for that. And I wanted to mention to our listeners that we have a Thrive Guide that we will have resources for those who want to develop kind of a basic conversational understanding of digital assets. And we'll talk to Kelly about that as well as for those who want to dig a bit deeper. So there'll be a link in the show notes on that for those who really want to sort of understand this space a lot more because I know for many it's top of mind. So back to the show we're on, the career planning episode of We Talk Careers. 
I appreciate so much your willingness, Kelly, to tackle this, as I'm sure it would have been impossible to see yourself as sort of a digital asset expert um, when you were tracking your trajectory of your career years ago. So I'm sure in your case, as in many, career planning can be both structural and have a lot of fluidity to it. So can you tell us a story about how you approached your career planning early on? Um, you know, I was fortunate to witness and participate in a lot of financial innovations in the past two decades. So I was started my career in credit derivatives and then moved on to ETFs and now this exciting digital asset crypto world. So I wish, Christine, I can tell you a good story about how I plan my careers carefully so I can catch all these good opportunities. <laughs> but unfortunately, it doesn't quite happen like that. No. So, you know, I, I stumbled upon this finance career when I was doing PhD at MIT. And that was in 2006, where I did an internship at Deutsche Bank. They need some quantitative person to help them build models and understand mortgage-backed securities, which is very hot in, in that year. Yes. So I was building a model where I need to put in assumption for how much housing price is going to appreciate every year, right? So that was a boom of the economy. You know, the price is appreciating 5 to 10% over the past 10 years. And I was like asking my manager, oh, how much should I put in? He said, let's be conservative, let's do 5%. And then I said, oh, can I be negative? And he said, never happened since 1930s. So we all know what happened afterwards. <laughs> Major so, negative. <laughs> yeah, so one thing led to another. So I got this hot job in credit derivatives right at the beginning of the financial crisis. And um, I mean, thinking back, I, I think really that's the perfect opportunity to witness how financial innovation could be a double-edged sword, right? So we all work in finance. We know how creative and innovative it can be in terms of providing capital and transfer risk. But on the other hand, it could be such a disruptive force if the risk is not understood or priced correctly. Yes. Wow. So you are on the forefront of what innovation can do, both positive and negative, um, <laughs> the market. So did you feel disillusioned at all with, with what you saw happening or did it mostly capture your curiosity and passion for innovation? You know, it was a shock. I remember I was at the trading desk and watching Lehman stock doing a free flow, right? Free, mm. <laughs> free fall. So it came as a shock at first, but when I dig into the deals, I was really amazed at how creative people can be and how we as an industry can really harness this power and do good things. So for me, it's really, there are two sides of everything. Yeah, I love it. And I love how you see it as resiliency. You know, you see it as markets being creative in a way that, you know, has a path forward as opposed to everyone going into shock and, you know, hiding under a rock. So I think for a lot of us, that should give us a lot of hope, you know, for a future as we look at innovation as something that, you know, can sort of help our markets move forward. Absolutely. So how do you define career planning? You know, if it's if it's not something that, you know, you can sit down and write at 20 years old and know, you know, what you're going to be doing for the next 50 years or so, how do you define career planning? Career planning is about charting a path to connect who you are with what you want to be. So it's essentially really just answering three questions. One, who you are, right? What motivates you? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And two is, what do you want to be? And for me, it's less about a concrete job or position. It's really about the impact you want to have on the world uh, and the people around you. And lastly, it's really develop a plan to connect uh, where you are versus where you want to be. 
Oh, I love that. Uh, and I really like starting with who you want to be. I, we had Holly Framstead on to talk about strength-based approach to careers. And in order to do that, you really need to know what your strengths are, you know, like where your skills lie. And so that sort of self-awareness starting with that, I think, is so important. But let's pause a little bit on that second one, who you want to be, which is less about the title and I think the word you used was impact. So tell me a little bit more about how people diagnose the impact they want to have. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a big question, right? So I want to break it down bits by bits. So first is when we think about our career, right? Our initial impression is, oh, I always want to be successful. I want to do this and that. But sometimes when you reflect back, right, it's sort of what are truly inspires you in terms of the impact you want to have for the world and people. So just to give you an example, right? So I was more of a mass West growing up and I'm always curious about learning, right? So I I, um, I remember like in college with this mathematical modeling contest and we built a model to treat cancer through laser treatment. And that really inspires me. So what inspires me is not necessarily just a model part, but with this technology and algorithm models we build, we can really make a big impact on saving people's lives, right? And when that goes on, on, when I go on my career in the finance world, what really excites me or, or inspires me is sort of the products I build would have a positive impact on how people can use the product to build better portfolios. So when you talk about impact, it's really about linking sort of what you are doing now, the product you are producing uh, or the things you are doing to how it will have a positive, hopefully positive impact on, on, on the world and the people around you. Oh, I love that. And I think it's a really great reminder for all of us and our listeners to be thinking about that impact. Sometimes you can kind of sit in your space and just kind of look at the tasks every day and think, I'm just going to get through this in order to be able to get home, to do the things I love, to get on my Peloton, to go travel, to, you know, <laughs> spend time with my kids, my husband, you know, whatever the case may be. But I, I think the idea of when you start to lose sight of the impact that you have, um, mm -hmm. and so maybe that means that you're, you know, talking to your colleagues or you're doing a one-on-one -on -one with your boss or you're seeking out your mentor and they're helping you actually fill out that sort of vision for what the impact is, right? Because you could see that with what you were building was going to have this positive impact on the ability to have investors find better ways to diversify and grow in their portfolios. I love that you've been able to do that throughout your career. Yeah, and especially as we talk about financial innovation, what good things can it do and what risks can it cost, right? So that's really my foray into the ETF space. Basically, the idea that all the good investment practices can be implemented in a rules-based format to really improve on the transparency and cost for investors. Right. And so keeping that in the forefront, you know, the impact that you have, you know, is a better vehicle for giving access to everyday investors, not just those that, you know, are steeped in sort of market knowledge. Right. So take it practical with us a bit, Kelly. So what kind of step-by-step -step advice do you have for our listeners as they approach their own career planning, whether it be, you know, just out of school, just starting up, or maybe they're at sort of a pivot point in their own career, what advice do you have for them as they approach planning? Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure many of the listeners have done some sort of strategic planning in their work. 
Uh, I recently went through one with the CFA Society of New York, where I serve on the board. And I found the process very enlightening and very similar to how we can plan our careers. So as I talk about the three questions, right, the first step is really defining who you are. And although the questions sound easy, right, but I consider this as the most important step in career planning as career vision can't really be formed without spending some time doing self-reflection on who you are, what motivates you, and what type of person you want to be. So my example, I was a mess was, I want to build models. This may not apply to you, right? But um, I think being honest and true to yourself, knowing not just your strengths and your weaknesses is important because career is a long game, right? You're going to be in this for a long time and you really want to do something that really speaks to your strengths and speaks to your passion of what motivates you. Wonderful. And the second step is defining what you want to be. So as I mentioned, it's not a specific job or a specific industry because things could change very fast, right? So I've jumped in terms of asset classes and roles and what's hot today may not be hot in the next five years. So it's more about how you can apply your skills and interests in a way that can leave an impact on the world and the people around you. So, you know, for, for my example, uh, given my interest in trying to understand new things, I want to be a person that stands in the forefront of innovation and try to figure out what the future would be and contribute to how the future is shaped. So that's why I, I, I joined the crypto and digital asset world. And it's fascinating in terms of how fast things can move. And also the big gap. I mean, Christine, as you asked me a question on what it is, there are still a lot of people who are still trying to find an understanding of this asset class and how can they use them. So really sort of defining what you want to be is sort of how can you as a person use all the things you're good at and help people either understand new things or create a positive impact on the world. Right. And I think, you know, as you do that, what's so, I think, gratifying about that process is that you get to sort of learn other people's strengths as well, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can sort of try them on a little bit. I remember earlier on in my career where, you know, I got to work with, you know, head of research of a very large firm and and, you know, so dynamic, such a great speaker. I actually remember being down in Mexico at sort of an advisor conference and we're, you know, all on the boat and he and I have been paired together to, to go off and, you know, sort of entertain as well as just sort of communicate with a number of advisors on sort of Iran's, you know, technology and the strategy at that point for the advisor platform. And he was head of research. <laughs> and I remember watching like all the advisors go to his side, <laughs> his side of the boat, you know, they were so fascinated by research. And it could have been that moment where I was like, oh, you know, like, am I in the wrong place? You know, <laughs> you know, I I'm passionate about giving advisors access and easy user interface to all of the pieces um, that enable them to do their job. But it's not as sexy as being able to talk about where the markets are going and, and all of those pieces. And it was that moment in my career where I was like, I can be very confident and, you know, and supportive of what he's trying to do, even though I'm not collecting an audience on, on my side of the boat. We all have our strengths. And, you know, my impact was great because I was almost invisible to what, you know, needed to happen. Now, you know, I moved on from sort of that role years later, and, and I'm glad I did because I had a lot more impact on sort of the, the people side of it. But I think that idea of who you want to be and what impact you want to have, sometimes it does require looking at other positions around you, but being careful to, you know, not play that comparison game too much. 
Yeah, exactly. And Christine, you also mentioned a great point in terms of discovering who you are and making an impact can be an iterative process, right? So you can be making positive impact to the world and that really help you to build up your confidence and really knowing what you are and what you can do. Right. So tell me what this next step is for your career planning. We've gotten into kind of defining who you are, the impact that you want to have. What's next? Yeah. So the next is the hard part. It's about execution. <laughs> so we can, you can have great vision, right, of what you want to be, but you can only achieve it if you have a plan, right? So your career is a long journey. And uh, if your career vision is your final destiny, it really takes a lot of patience and discipline to stay the course. So I find this exercise really interesting in my current firm, uh, Coindesk. So they have this framework, which is widely used for a lot of uh, growth-oriented companies called OKR, which stands for Objective and Key Results. So it was first developed by Intel executives in the 80s and have been adopted by a lot of um, high-growth firms. So it is very helpful to chart a path toward a long-term goal by defining intermediate objectives and key results that makes the progress. So for example, right, Christine, you talk about a lot of people want to learn crypto. So your objective could just be, you know, I want to find opportunity in the crypto industry, although I don't have any previous background right now, right? And then you could define your short-term objectives to be, uh, I want to develop knowledge about the Bitcoin, right? And the mm. key results where you can spell out would be, one, read the Santoshi white paper, two, set up a wallet to buy Bitcoin. And three is find a crypto expert to follow on social media or a podcast to listen to. So having this concrete plan and ways to measure progress will really set you on solid footing as you move forward in your career goal. Great. And we'll have a link to that white paper too in the guide. Um, <laughs> I, I love this idea of breaking it down. I have, you know, over the course of my career now, having left my, you know, sort of full-time job now, you know, sitting on boards and, and doing a bit of consulting, my love is now is, is being a fiction writer. And I'm actually working on my third novel. A number of people know this. So they're always asking me, you know, when can we read? When can we read? And I'm like, oh, I got to get better at this before, you know, before I put my first novel into the world, I want it to be just a, a thing of excellence, right? And so I was talking to my pastor about this recently because it's, you know, it can be a long time of like when I started with this idea or I was, you know, mm -hmm. I was really tormented by the idea of writing, you know, it just would not leave me. So when I started this process to the point where I actually can release my novel into the world, it's a long period of time. And so mm -hmm. her such amazing advice to me was you need to break it down and you got to celebrate some of these things. You know, you right. gotta, you, you know, you can't just like check the box and be like, okay, I've done that. Okay. Now I've done that. I've gotten so much better at characterization. Okay. You know, I've gotten feedback on this. I've been, you know, in this literary journal, I've done this, but I got to celebrate, you know, we got to go out, we got to have a drink. I got to call my friends. Yeah. We got to do a little bit, <laughs> a little it's bit like of a hurrah. Church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I love the idea of, you know, sort of breaking it down this OKR into, into things that are bite-sized and then also planning some celebrations to say, Hey, you know, we did it and we made it and, you know, and now we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so for those um, also listeners, I was thinking while you were speaking that we did have Holly Framstead on for an episode on strengths-based approach 
to career planning. So I will also put a link to hers in there. I think I love the way you're approaching sort of a fluid, but very structured way of thinking about your career. And I think some of the things that she said too will be of benefit. So folks listening to this episode afterwards might want to go back and um, listen to hers as well. So Kelly, tell me maybe another story. Do you have a, a lessons learned story for us on career planning? Oh, plenty of. <laughs> so, as we mentioned, it's a long journey and it always takes twists and turns and things do not always work in your favor, right? I hope it's a straight line, but it's not. But one thing is what I realized reflecting back is forming your career mission actually takes a lot of courage and also a lot of self-reflection about knowing your authentic self, right? So it can be very tempting to chase a shiny object as your career vision. Like your friends are all doing this cool job. They're earning a lot of money. Your parents tell you to do this and that. Um, so I, I was like that. I learned it in the hard way when I first started working. So you know, when I graduated from MIT, I actually got three jobs. Um, one is researching a prop trading shop. And one is a quantitative portfolio manager in a large reputable asset manager. And one is the credit derivative structuring role in an investment bank. So I took the last job in the investment bank because it was the hottest industries right before the financial crisis. And it's a job that paid the highest. So shortly after I joined, the financial crisis happened. And uh, eventually I went back to do the things I'm actually good at, uh, which is quantitative research and investing. So I strived since then, but I wish I haven't taken a three-year detour in my career. Although it is very interesting what you did and like that you were on the forefront of it, but I completely understand. Yeah, sometimes those shiny things can really draw us. Yeah. And also, you know, career plan is a very individualized exercise, right? Nobody can tell you what your career vision should be. It's really, you got to really look inward and outward hard enough to really keep, but, but also you should keep an open mind in terms of the opportunities come along. And even if you feel you don't see a direct connection between where you are versus where you want to be, you got to be stay true to yourself and assess what are the opportunities around you and chart a path to go there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So as we do this well, you know, as we find ways to know ourselves, understand our impact, execute on our career vision, there's got to be people too that we look to, maybe inside our industry, but perhaps outside of our industry that just do it well, that, you know, just have a career vision that maybe give us some motivation to not, you know, track to the shiny thing, but like really go where we're going to have the largest impact and bring us the most joy. Is there someone that you admire that has done this well? Yeah, um, plenty of first, I suggest <laughs> listeners listen to all your podcasts because you have a group, group of amazing women there. So for me, uh, do you know this uh, designer called Diane von Furtenberg? Absolutely. She's got these great <laughs> dresses. Yes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of her wrap dress. It's bold. Mm. You know, it's very easy to wear and it allows you to give the dress a personality. So I mentioned her because I recently attended an event she hosted and really got to learn her story at a more personal level. So she had a famous saying, which I really feel like is so inspiring for this podcast. So she said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always know the woman I wanted to be. So, you know, her mm -hmm. mom was actually a survivor for the Nazi concentration camp. And it really has inspired her early on that fear is not an option. 
So it could apply to our career vision, right? So get rid of all the fears you have, dream big, and think about really what you want to do. And so for her, she aspired to be an independent woman who could take charge of her own life. And she made it happen through her design of her famous wrap dress and the fashion empire she built. So she really find a connection of her skills, her interests in designing and fashion, and connect that to a bigger goal of being an independent woman who can take charge of her own life. I love it. Yes, how great. And I'll, I'll put some links too in the show notes for her because I, I do think her story is fascinating. And fear not being an option is is a great mantra on certain days, as Jill would tell us in, in her episode. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you have for yourself? You know, so what is something that you wish you had known about career vision when you were new to your career? What is something you wish somebody had come along to knock into you? Hmm. If I use one word, that, that should be patience. Because career plan is a lifelong exercise. It's not like today I want to be the greatest person in the world. Let's just do it, right? And it takes <laughs> a lot of reflection and iterative exercise in terms of understanding who you are, but also the impact you have on the world. So I, I did have a lot of dark moments where my career seems to be going nowhere and my good ideas fell on deaf ears. So it took quite an emotional toll actually at the beginning. And I started to doubt my own ability, right? So what am I doing? Why uh, maybe I'm not the right person for this and that. But reflecting back, now it's easier for me to say that career detours are normal, right? You've got to have the patience and perseverance to still go towards your career goal. So sometimes it's not you, right? Um, but the environment you are in, that's preventing you from unleashing your full potential. But remember, the choice is always on your side. Have the courage and have the patience. And as long as you have the career vision as your North Star that's guiding you and a disciplined approach in following your plan, it's just a matter of time. And sometimes it's a bit of luck to find the next best opportunity for you. I have done that. I have witnesses, a, a few great friends who have overcome all the challenges and thrive in the new opportunities they found. And I love what you said. You always have a choice. And so yeah. for any of our listeners that are sitting right now thinking, oh, I'm just not in the right place. Either the culture is not right. I don't see, you know, upward mobility. I can't find the impact that I'm having, or uh, my work-life balance is out of whack. You know, any of the topics that that we've covered are, are others that that we haven't, but are just giving our listeners pause on: Am I in the right place? You have a choice, and yeah. you know, each one of those choices comes with the opportunity to do that sort of self-reflection and starting again. Thank you so much for that reminder. So Kelly, I cannot believe it. Um, and I say this almost all the time because these conversations are so inspiring to me, but we've almost made it through our time. And as our listeners know, I have a final question. Um, I am captivated by story. And as I mentioned earlier, I am a writer. So tell me a book that you would recommend to our listeners that you've read recently that has inspired you. So I love reading books. And one topic I'm especially interested in is learning about history and people. So I recently read a book, which is actually a Pulitzer winner called The Founding Brothers by Joe Alice. So it talked about what has happened as America established itself as an independent country. And instead of just telling the history, yeah, follow the timeline, right? It zoomed in on a few very critical moments and talk about the people and events that get involved. 
So for example, you know, the secret dinner Hamilton had with Jefferson, it resulted in Washington, D.C. as capital in exchange for federal government backing the state debts, right? And then the silence among national founders regarding ending slavery in a trade-off to achieve the union of states. So it's a great way to learn about history and people getting involved and no, people are complicated, right? So it's they are heroes, but they also have their weaknesses. But the, the string of history event is really shaping how lucky we are in terms of forming a country and defining our own sort of governance rules. So what's truly inspiring is now I'm in the crypto world, right? I see how the ecosystem is built uh, and people sort of building governance rules about their community and economy. And there are difficult decisions and trade-offs too, but it's so inspiring that we are seeing new business models being built. And also the creators and owners, they are getting involved on building this community together. So that's really sort of reminds me of how Americans built like three, 300 years ago. That really keeps me going in sort of charting my own path in the digital asset world. Thank you for that recommendation. We'll have that link in the show notes. And I love what you said about defining it based on these critical moments, because we don't always know we're in the critical moment, right? Sometimes it takes that hindsight to know that a dinner, you know, is going to change the trajectory of, you know, where the capital of a country is. So I love that. Um, I love that books that, you know, take sort of the dry timeline out of it and really make it about the people, because it is the people that have formed our history um, and that we can both appreciate and look to overcome some of the decisions that have been made in the past. So thank you for that, Kelly. And thank you for being a guest on We Talk Careers podcast. I have just so enjoyed your candor and, you know, your willingness to share both your struggles and your successes, you know, your intelligence and your empathy has come through. So thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you, Christine. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thanks, Kelly. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at withak.christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.